Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Story time. A lot of people are going to view this as creative writing. It isn't. For many people that have traumatic experiences, 
There is plenty of outlets or support groups. Not for me. Everybody calls me a crackpot on the few occasions I get drunk enough to talk about what happened. I don't appreciate that. This is a real story, and a real event that caused a lot of turmoil in my small family at the time. When I was 12 years old, me, my dad, and my mom, lived in and managed a large deer lease in Arkansas near the town of Mina. My dad and I were skilled outdoorsmen, and made a good chunk of change hunting pigs on horseback. At the time, their population had grown out of control and they were viewed as pests. Not only did you not need tags to hunt them, but you could get paid on up to a $50 a head basis. The meat is great for sausage too. So it came as a surprise to my father and I when the pigs around our property suddenly began to vanish. At first, we thought it was our neighbor 20 miles west, strong-arming our profits with his sons as he had before. But after my father went to his ranch to confront him about the issue, he came back ashen-faced and wouldn't tell me or my mother what had been discussed. All he said was, Bill wasn't the reason for the shortage in pigs, and that me and my mother were to stay in the house. Of course being the curious young retard I was, I woke up before my dad, saddled my horse, and went into the woods. I rode the perimeter of our property, and as before, I didn't find a single pig. But I did find something else. About noon, I came to a large clearing in the forest. Then, clear as day, what I first thought was a child stepped out in front of my horse and I. I quickly realized this was no normal child. As it stood staring at me, I noticed that although it had a very human-like face, with what I can only describe as slightly mongoloid features, it was covered in black or dark brown fur. We just stared intently at each other for what felt like an eternity. Then I heard something huge crashing through the forest in our direction. Without the slightest command from me, my horse bolted in the opposite direction. I could hear it hot on our heels, snarling and screaming. Eventually we got some ground on whatever it was when we hit open meadow, and it abandoned the chase. When I got home, my dad wasn't furious at me as I had expected. He could tell something had happened, and after I explained what I'd seen, he hugged me and said the experience was punishment enough, and that I wasn't to go in the woods without him ever again. I wasn't at all opposed to this. That being said, this was far from over. About a week later, we were sitting at the table enjoying my mom's Gordon Ramsay SK Jambalaya when the phone rang. My dad excused himself from the table and went to answer it. He came back into the dining room and told me, get your boots on and go grab your saddle, something happened at Bill's place. Without question I obeyed, and despite protests from my mother and demands for an explanation, we were soon going full gallop towards Bill's ranch. We didn't particularly like Bill or his boys very much, but in the Ozark or Appalachian areas, we have sort of an unspoken law that if your neighbor needs help, you are to oblige them. When we got there, the situation was complete chaos. Bill's wife, Maggie, was knelt on the porch sobbing her eyes out, and Bill and his two sons were scurrying about, loading firearms and filling backpacks full of provisions. My dad dismounted and ran up to Bill and asked him what was going on. My youngest was taken by someone. Maggie saw it, she said he was out feeding the pigs and somebody came out from behind the shed and grabbed him. What did the person look like? 
Bill gave my dad a frightened look and said, you know damn well what it looked like. It isn't a person. My dad gulped and told me to go help Bill's boys get ready. We were going hunting. After Bill called the sheriff, they got on their four-wheelers, redneck for ATV, and followed us into the forest. The five of us got about 15 miles into the woods before we saw the first one. It had likely been following us since Bill's ranch and I only got a small glimpse of it before it snatched Bill's oldest son Grant off his four-wheeler and ran off. It was big. This thing was easily eight feet tall, and it moved like an Olympic sprinter. We chased it for another 200 feet before it dropped Grant. He was in a state of shock, but alive. Bill took Grant and his other son back home, but my dad and I decided to pursue the thing. We chased it for miles, but soon it hit deep ravines that were unpassable for even our horses. We shot at it, my dad claimed he hit it several times, if he did, the thing didn't slow down a bit. We rode back home around 1 in the morning, after checking on Bill's family, and writing out reports for the deputy that had finally shown up. Even after we made a huge stink about the issue, the sheriff's office didn't do shit about the problem. To my knowledge Bill's youngest son Tommy was never found. Their official statement was, it was a gang of homeless people that had taken up residence in the forest, and we were to quote try and avoid them. Yeah, right. Nobody bought it. About two weeks later, they attacked our house. I was watching NCIS with my dad at about 9 p.m., when we heard what we first thought was heavy hail. Our house at the time was a metal building, and if you've ever lived in one, you know how things tend to echo. My dad went to the window, and quickly reeled back. He bellowed at me to grab my rifle. We both looked out the window, and to my horror we saw about eight of the huge things hurling rocks at our house. We stuck our rifles out the window and shot at them, and when we did, they would hit the tree line temporarily but they would be back 10 to 20 minutes later. It was about 2 a.m. when we heard hard banging on our door, and we knew they were trying to come in. Lucky for us, near the kitchen my dad had dug or constructed a tornado shelter the previous year. If you're familiar with Arkansas, you know it's smack dab in the middle of Tornado Alley, and we regularly get devastating F4S and F5S. We knew the door wasn't going to hold, so we all piled into the small cellar and my dad deadbolted the heavy steel door. They did indeed get in. All night we listened to them wrecking our house. All night me and my family sat completely silent, all of us, including my mom, gripping guns tighter than a vice grip. We were praying to God they didn't find us. They gave up and left around 10 a.m. When we emerged from the cellar, our house was nearly demolished. Things were strewn everywhere. The TV had been hurled against the wall and made a huge dent, my dad's air compressor had been crushed like a tin can. Understandably, we packed up the truck, put the horses in a trailer and made a beeline for my grandparents' house in Dallas. We were never the same after that, we had to sell our beloved horses. I had to make the hard transition to city life, where kids made fun of my accent and would just bully the crap out of me all the way up to high chul. Luckily I overcame it all, and I'm about to get my masters next year. I'm also happily married and expecting a daughter soon. Those creatures not only wrecked our house, but they also wrecked my childhood.
To this day I'm a dedicated Bigfoot researcher, and I've worked with all the big names, including Fraud Standing. I know there are some squatchers out there who are trying to preserve and protect Bigfoot. But I always carry a firearm when I'm out in the woods. And if I ever see another one, I'm blowing its hairy head off. I'm Chris a park ranger and have 11 years on my belt. Also experience comes with stories many of which are ghost or paranormal stories. This story is true. Not going to say where I work but it is a very large park. This story took place spring of 2008. The park that I worked at had a very big drinking problem with youths trespassing all the time. We had calls almost every nights, I worked nights most of my career. One day a member of the public who were camping had called in saying that there were a large group of youths making noise and drinking. I was dispatched and starting walking over in the dark I tried to sneak up, this was a breach of my standard operating procedure, to try to apprehend as many as I can I managed to apprehend four to five, don't clearly remember, and all the others ran into the woods my prediction was that were as many as 20 people from what O saw. I radioed through to dispatch to get a couple of deputies out here to take over. Deputies arrived at this point I was all alone in the middle of nowhere I radioed through to try to get guided back to the more civilized part of the woods at this point I had already walked quite far and radio connection was breaking up, we had bad radios back then, as I approached a part of the woods I was similar with I looked behind me and saw someone walking up to me very slowly I then called out hello no response at this point radio contact was back I radioed in saying that I have spotted someone. At this point the figure is maybe 40 meters away I then called out stop and are you okay no response. As the figure came closer it just disappeared I couldn't make out what it was. Next day came a normal day mentioned to my friend who had worked here for 10 years. I mentioned what happened and he made a scared face and said it's nothing got up and walked away. In 2013 I left to work at the sheriff's office never mentioned to anyone except some close friends while drunk. This might not be the scariest story but I have only had a couple of other ghost stories might put them on here later on. But this sends shivers down my spine as it is still unexplained which makes the story even scarier. But I hope this interested some of you guys I will submit more in the future. I have tried to contact some people that have worked in similar settings to see if they have similar experience and by the looks of it not many people have had similar experience except some guys in search and rescue and border patrol. Also I have read some stories of stuff like this in the UK. I might update if I have seen a similar story. July 1st 2013 Ryan Colon and Special Ops Team were training in the Adirondacks, an extensive mountain range north of New York City. The team was split into three groups of two, this way, they could cover more ground and be far less noticeable. Ryan's group consisted of himself and a Navy SEAL named Mark Smithson, who is from the Naval Academy class of 93. They were on a recon mission at night, along with their squad leader, who was last seen 15 minutes prior to the event. I had just scratched my nose and my left arm as we walked when I saw what looked like something out of the movie Predator. It came into view on the right side, crawling through some thick brambles and brush, said Colin. It appeared to roll on its side, 
looking at us with its legs in the air for a moment before turning and scampering off into the woods. It appeared to stand on two legs like a human when it stood up. Ryan Colin is currently an infantryman serving in the Army National Guard. He was deployed twice, once in Operation Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan, and once in Operation Iraqi Freedom. His military occupation specialty or job is heavy weapons infantryman. He's also graduated from airborne school and is trained as a combat lifesaver. He's also an ex-sniper. Now, these creatures are said to be like brutes, these goatman hybrid creatures that are said to be ape-like, that are brutal with scaly skin, and are reported to be about 7 feet tall. They have been known to kill animals in the forests of North America and drink their blood ritualistically. These creatures are said to be extremely hostile and curious of humans, which contradicts Colin's encounter. Native Americans throughout the Northeast claim that this mythological creature is real, and they're actually known as Wendigos. There are even stories of tribes killing anybody who strays into the woods because they believe it gives them powers like these ancient gods. Wendigo psychosis or Wendigo possession was an alleged mental illness among certain Native American cultures, particularly a tribe living around Lake Superior in northern Minnesota. Wendigo, as described by those affected by the psychosis, includes a general aversion to cannibalism and deviance from cultural norms, such as intense cravings for human flesh and the compulsion to eat it. The legend of the Wendigo is said to have originated within the Algonquin tribes living in Canada and parts of present-day New England. The legend has since spread throughout most of North America. The earliest written account of Wendigo psychosis dates back to actually 1673, where it was first recorded by French Jesuit missionary Jean de Brebeuf, who first learned about it from Wyandotte natives living near Georgian Bay. According to some other researchers, there are two distinct versions of Wendigo, one that involves great violence or cannibalism and a less violent version involving the fixation of a Wendigo upon a person. In this case, Ryan Colin was not attacked by the creature, but he saw it clear as day. This could be because they most likely posed no threat to them, or perhaps these creatures are more curious than hostile. However, there are many instances where people who have encountered these creatures wound up missing or dead or have their blood completely drained from their bodies, like in most scripted cases. We may never know what happened that night between Ryan and his special ops team, but it definitely left an impression on him. He'll never forget. I'm in my early 30s now but this happened back when I was a teen and when TV still had the big back portion to hide all the components. Just to give some kind of time reference. Anyway this happened in a desert city in California, in what used to be a small town but it's grown so much since then. Me and my brother were in my mother's bedroom watching the TV and the TV was right in front of the window so we could see outside. All of a sudden this black humanoid thing came slowly drifting across the sky. The only reason I say it was humanoid is because I could see the shape of its legs and what's crazy is that even though it was in the sky, I could see the human shape it had. Like a man on a jetpack. The weird thing is that once it passed over the house into the distance is when I started to acknowledge what I saw. 
I didn't know if my brother had seen it to so without explaining anything at all to what I had seen I just turned to him and said did you just see that? And my brother said yeah WTF was that. I told him it looked like a man in the sky right? And he said yeah. We never knew what it was only that it looked like a man slowly hovering and moving in the sky. It must have been a pretty tall figure for us to see the human shape it had while in the sky. My story happened in the late 1970s. I and a couple friends went to a church sports camp for a week at Jamonville, Pennsylvania, currently known as the Jamonville Camp and Retreat Center, Lawn, and it's about an hour and 20 minutes southeast of Pittsburgh. It's located on the Chestnut Ridge where numerous unexplained phenomenon has been reported, from Sasquatch, UFOs, Dogman, and Thunderbirds. It also sits in the Appalachian Mountains. Each cabin had about seven boys. The mess hall was at the bottom of the hill along an asphalt path. Different cabins would line up outside to follow one another down the path. When we went to eat one morning we were all walking to breakfast. Up ahead of me, I noticed kids walking off the path and into the grass. When I got up to that spot I looked down and couldn't believe my eyes. Laying on the path was what looked like a stillborn monkey fetus. It was big too, at least two feet long. It was as tall as the path was wide. It was definitely bipedal but didn't have a tail. I was just staring at this thing which is probably only 30 seconds when I noticed I had fallen behind my group and was getting passed by other groups. So I ran to catch my group. My friend, K.N. was with me at camp that year. He said he was right next to me and remembers seeing the fetus too. So, I am 19, female, and this happened to me when I was about 4 or 5 years old. I was with my older brother who was about 11 or 12 at the time. Most of the people in my life like friends or family, pretty much know Ab this story as well. I think about this event a lot probably every day. This event has for sure left me very paranoid, ESP around the woods. Yet, I am still pretty curious about it at the same time. Anyways, one morning my brother and I were heading to the car for school. It was still a bit dark outside, but you could see the sun coming up. I remember the sky having a sort of greenish tint. We typically don't use the front door ever, and usually just use the side door to the house. We have one large storm door, and then your typical glass door on the outside of it. As we are heading to go outside, I reach for the handle and my brother stops me mid-reach, and pulls me away from the door. He can see outside as the door is glass. At the time, my house was also completely surrounded by woods. You cannot see it from the street either. My brother points to what he sees and as I remember, it was incredibly tall. I was of course very small at the time so you'd think oh maybe it just appeared larger to us because we were kids. But I swear this shit was like 7 foot tall. This thing looked almost solid white or grey and it had what looked like 3 dark circles or holes going down its body. We knew this thing was abnormally tall because of how slow and big its strides were. It almost looked like slow motion in a way. It was also just body and two legs. That's all it looked like. I'm not even sure if there was a face or a head. 
It was walking at the edge of our woods and it seemed to be heading to the backyard. Sort of minding its own business ig. I don't have any memory of what happened after, but my mom has always said that right after it happened, we ran to her and my dad crying and panicked. She said she separated us and asked us separately what happened. We both described the same thing and told the same story. My mom said it freaked her out pretty bad as well. I remember my brother and I tried to guess what we saw and all we could think was that maybe it was a dying animal walking. Because it could have been bone that we saw. But, I remember it wasn't limping or dragging any skin or anything. It was walking perfectly straight and upright. A few years after, we started hearing this horrible screaming at night. I know there's foxes, owls, and all that other stuff that screams lol. But, this thing would run around the house. Like circle around the house in the middle of the night on and on. I would hear it in my sleep and it would make me have horrible nightmares of my family being eaten. This happened for a short period of time. My dad had finally had enough and he got a permit to shoot and take out whatever it was. As soon as he got the permit, it quit. Never heard that thing again and we have lived here for 13 years. I'm not sure if it's related, but I struggled with terrible sleep paralysis for a few years and it was only at this house. I would wake up, unable to move and would have a man or woman screaming into my ear. I would finally be able to move and instantly cry because of fear and actual pain in my ear. I would also sometimes be paralyzed and then feel my body going up. My body wasn't going up, but I was. Whenever this would happen I would be fully conscious and aware. I could hear myself in my head and I just kept saying put me down. Put me down I am not going up. And I would slowly go back down, but it would always take so long it felt like. This used to scare me to the point that I was afraid to even fall asleep. Eventually, I talked to a few different mediums and they gave advice that helped. Anyways, I could go way more into that topic but that's not what this post is about. I have a few true experiences with the supernatural or spiritual and I will prob post them on here as well. Overall, I am hoping someone could give some useful insight on this situation. Maybe it isn't what I think it is and someone else has a better answer. My heart rate has been going bonkers while typing this. One particular encounter from the past still haunts me to this day, a story that defies explanation and continues to send shivers down my spine. It all began during a United Steelworkers representative training retreat in October 1992, a seemingly ordinary event that would forever change the way I looked at the world. I was attending the retreat with a friend, both of us eager to soak in the knowledge and camaraderie that such events often provided. We had chosen to take a hike to the Jamanvo Cross one crisp autumn afternoon. The beauty of the Pennsylvania landscape surrounded us as we made our way up the mountain, but as we neared the top, an eerie feeling began to wash over us. It was a sense of dread, an overwhelming emotion that left us both unsettled. We hesitated but pressed on, determined to reach our destination. However, the closer we came to the cross, the more the dread intensified. It was as though an invisible force was pulling us away, urging us to leave that place. We didn't stay long, in fact, we decided to make our way back to our vehicle as quickly as possible. 
This strange encounter was puzzling because neither of us had ever experienced such a feeling before. We couldn't shake the sense that something otherworldly had caused this reaction. And as I would later discover, my friend's life took a dark turn after that day, as if the encounter had cursed him in some way. He withdrew from society, living like a hermit in the remote corners of rural West Virginia. Years passed, and I had all but forgotten that unsettling hike until one morning when curiosity led me back to Jamonville Cross. I was with my girlfriend, and our plan was simple, hike up the mountain, enjoy some donuts and coffee, and bask in the serenity of the landscape. We found a peaceful spot on the grass near a podium that stood near the cross structure. We chatted, sipped our coffee, and took in the breathtaking view. At that moment, we believed we were alone, undisturbed by any other visitors. But then, something inexplicable happened. Out of nowhere, we noticed what appeared to be a light puff of smoke swirling around the podium. It was as if a wisp of fog had materialized out of thin air. Suddenly, an elderly man and woman stood there together, seemingly emerging from the ethereal mist. At first, we brushed it off, assuming that the couple had been there all along. We exchanged polite greetings, saying hi to the elderly pair, but strangely, they offered no response. The couple remained utterly still, their gaze fixed upon the distant horizon. I couldn't help but notice something odd about them. Their eyes, both of them, were solid black, an eerie and unnatural sight that sent a shiver down my spine. It was a sight that defied explanation. As we continued to observe them in stunned silence, the elderly couple eventually began to move. They glided away from the podium and simply faded from sight, as though they were never there to begin with. It was a bizarre experience, for they had appeared so solid and lifelike that it left us questioning whether we had encountered ghosts or something else entirely. I couldn't shake the memory of those black eyes, and after the encounter, my friend and I discussed the phenomenon known as the black-eyed people, which he had recently heard about. We also delved into my girlfriend's reaction, which had been much less abrupt than mine. She had experienced emotional changes during unexplained incidents in the past, leading me to believe she might be an empath, a beacon of some kind. Her presence at the Jamonville Cross may have inadvertently triggered the appearance of the elderly couple's strange energy. Our encounter was not an isolated incident. Over the years, the Jamonville Cross has been the backdrop for countless unexplained events, including an increase in Bigfoot sightings and other bizarre anomalies. The area, with its Christian campground and retreat, has always had an air of mystery about it. Moreover, it's near the very place where a young military officer named George Washington and his soldiers ambushed French troops in 1754, igniting the spark that would eventually lead to the French and Indian War. Reports of musket fire, disembodied voices, and the lingering smell of gunpowder in the nearby glens and hollows only added to the mystique. The Jamonville Cross remains a place of both beauty and inexplicable phenomena, a spot where the boundaries between the known and the unknown blur. As for my friend, he continues to live in seclusion, forever haunted by the encounter that changed his life, and I am left with the lingering question, what exactly did we witness that fateful day on the mountain? I live in a very rural farming area of Kansas. 
This happened in the fall of 2007. I went for a night drive with a friend on some country roads amid corn fields. Where I live, corn stalks grow tall on both sides of the road in many places. It is a very desolate and dark area at night. No one around for miles and you could see the Milky Way in all her glory because there are no lights. As I was driving, we saw something resembling the cartoon character Gumby run across the dirt road lit up by our headlights. It crossed probably 10 feet in front of us. The creature was dark maroon in color and with bulbous hands and feet. No digits. It walked on two legs. It had very smooth looking skin, almost like a shark or dolphin. It didn't stop to look at us and I never felt threatened. The creature ran like it was afraid from one corn field, across the road to another. We didn't witness any more strange sightings that night or have any weird experiences after. Have you ever seen a maroon creature like I did? On July 15, 2009, a team from PBS traveled to the location where the reported Bigfoot encounter occurred to interview the witness and to look over the area for any possible physical evidence. The team was comprised of Eric Altman and PBS members Dave Dragason and his wife Cindy. Eric also invited me to go along to participate in the investigation. When we arrived on the scene, the witness and her husband were awaiting us. We went through our introductions and then walked over to the roadway where the encounter had occurred. The location of the incident was on a two-lane roadway outside of Uniontown. It was about 6 p.m. When the event occurred, and the weather was warm and clear at the time. The witness was driving down the road at about 35 to 40 miles per hour, when suddenly, she caught out of the corner of her eye, a figure coming from the left side and approaching her. Her first thought was that a person was about to walk out in front of her car, and she was about to hit the subject. She suddenly swerved over to the right side of the road and was thankful that nobody was there. As she was making the turn, she got a good look at the figure and suddenly realized that it was not a person, but a strange creature. As she sat there for a moment, she looked into her rearview mirror and realized that the creature had gotten behind her car. I looked into the rearview mirror and I saw it leap across my trunk. While still pulled over on the roadside, the woman remained seated in her car, trying to regain her composure. She could not believe what had just occurred. Seconds later she looked up to see the creature now on her right side running quickly down the middle of another road about 75 feet away. That was the last time she saw it. The entire incident had lasted just several seconds, but enough time for the witness to recall a detailed description of a creature that she was certain was not human, or a person in a costume. What she saw in daylight and at very close range was a dark-colored, hair-covered man-like creature, which she estimated was, at least six feet tall or slightly taller. The creature, which walked upright on two legs, had a head that was said to be large and elongated, and covered with hair that just looked wild. The neck was somewhat hard to explain since it was covered in hair. The witness said that it appeared to be thin and long. The neck looked strange because the head was big and the shoulders were wide. The face was mainly covered in hair yet the area that was exposed appeared to be very white. There was hair coming out from all over the face, like that of a dog or a wolf. 
The nose was flat and dark but was also mostly covered in hair. The mouth could not clearly be Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health. Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Seen. The ears were not seen since they were covered with hair as well. The eyes were the most prominent feature that really caught the witness's attention. The eyes were at least twice the size of a human and circular in shape. The eyes were dark, possibly black in color, wide set, and wild looking. There was no iris, no whites. The witness thinks that is why the eyes look so odd. The wild look and the fierceness of the eyes of the creature scared the woman. The creature was stocky and muscular in appearance. The chest area was described as thick and hairy. The shoulders were wide and rounded. The arms were very long, hanging down to the knees or beyond. The witness said the hair on the arms was long, like ape hair. The woman didn't recall seeing any muscles, however, it appeared as though it was muscular, and in good physical shape. The witness had the impression that this creature was older in age. Very little detail was observed below the waist. There was no unusual sound or odor noted during the observation. The witness did have her windows up and the air conditioner on. At the scene, Dave Dragason sketched an illustration of the creature under the direction of the eyewitness. Eric and the witness's husband searched a wooded area not far from the location of the encounter, but nothing of interest was found. We also went over to examine the car. As I was looking over the car body, I noticed what appeared to be an unusual scratch mark on the trunk surface on the left side of the vehicle. I pointed it out to the others, as well as the woman and her husband. They had never seen this surface area damage before. The affected area was about 6 inches from the left tail light to the first striation of the scratches. The scratched area was about 8.5 inches long and 2 inches wide. There were numerous vertical and horizontal very thin scratch lines that went into the paint surface. There is the possibility that this might be related to the creature's movements as it leapt across the trunk area from that side. It was my impression that the witness was very sincere and competent. As she described to us what she had seen and experienced that night, it was evident that she was still emotionally upset by what had occurred. The witness told me that after the encounter, she drove down the road a short distance and parked her car. She sat there thinking about what had happened. She was trying to convince herself that this was a person but realized that it couldn't have been. These are her reasons why she feels it was not a human. A. The rate of speed the figure came across into the path of her car, 
it didn't care that it was going to get hit. B. The fast movement of the creature and the way it leapt over the trunk. She also had a good look at the creature and some facial features. The eyes of the creature frightened her. When she arrived home she waited a little while before telling her family about what she had seen. She was initially met with some disbelief from her children. Her husband listened to her and believed that she had seen something. He told her she should call the police to see if anyone else had reported something similar. The witness said she was not calling the police, concerned that she would be ridiculed. The direction that the creature was last observed moving towards would take it into a heavily wooded area in the direction of Jamonville. There has been a long history of Bigfoot sightings being reported for many years in this same general area of Fayette County. Back when I was much younger, single-digit ages, I liken a duplex with a nice large yard that backed up to a set of woods. I used to like wandering said woods, and it was also a shortcut to our local armory. One day my friend and I decided to venture into the woods at night, we had some cheap flashlights for our only light followed by the moon. We ventured past the armory exit trail, deeper into the woods, now mind past this point three weren't any houses. We continued to go deeper, not too sure what if anything we were looking for, out of boredom we decide to turn back and head home, as we turn we hear so soon? Slightly confused and intrigued, we answer back yes, why should we stay? After a short time we get silence. So we continue about our way back to our homes, the friend suddenly feels a tug on his pant leg, he looks down and sees a disturbing upper body of a child, he says it was from waist up and it was reaching up, tugging on his pant leg. I don't really buy it at the time, but a bit freaked out we then run back home. He tells me what he saw and demands the next day we go back and see if we can experience something else. Next day, later in the night, we head back to the woods, around the same spot we went the night prior, instead of impatience we decide to continue to wait. We begin to hear twigs snapping in the bot so far distance of the woods, sounds like something crawling toward us, a bit scared we turn to where the noise is coming from. Flash our lights in the direction and now we both see the same thing, simply the upper body of a child around our ages. Stunned, we can't move and just watch this thing crawl closer to us, until we hear his mom yell our names, at the time we thought her voice shouting for us was scarier than what we saw, we were kids afraid of consequences, so we ran back home. Now, the best way to describe what we saw was an upper body, no legs or anything below the waist, scratched, tattered clothing, but the body looked fresh, no rot or decay it looked like a kid maybe between 6 to 8. To this day, we still have no idea what it was, and sadly the area we used to roam has been developed in townhouses and shit, so we may never know what it was. The year, not certain mid-90s, so 95 or 96 late summer. Location was Alliance, Ohio. So last night I was driving home around 3 am and I passed by a suburban intersection, look left, look right and turn back and, wait what? For a fraction of a second I saw a humanoid creature sitting cross-legged, hunched over with its back towards me. It was bald and hairless all over. 
I couldn't reverse to have a second look because there was a car a few paces behind me but I watched it turn right and the driver just kept going as if nothing was there. After a slight hesitation I got out of my car to check the scene and it was nowhere to be seen. Anyone have any ideas what I might have spotted? In 2001 my 6th grade teacher told our class this story about her childhood growing up in Texas. I don't remember the entire story, but I do remember a few things and would like to know if anyone has ever heard of this. This would have been the early 1970s somewhere in Texas, but I am unsure of the city. She said there was a house down the street from hers that was abandoned. There were newspapers piling up in the yard and the property was unkempt. For some reason, she decided to break inside the house to explore. She broke in through the kitchen window in the back of the house where she could go unnoticed, and landed in the kitchen sink. There were tons of empty bottles of mane and tail shampoo scattered about. She came across a creature that she described as part horse, part woman. Apparently she saw the creature from behind first, as she described seeing the back of a woman with long lustrous hair. Once the creature turned around, she said it had a leathery face, huge teeth, the body of a woman, but horse hooves. She ran back out of the house frightened. Something strange happened a few weeks later. Apparently there was a man who lived at the house, or at least owned it. It seemed that he had been harboring the creature in this house. There ended up being a chase that occurred with the man and creature trying to get away and law enforcement in pursuit. This story was told so long ago I am forgetting some of the details, but this story is so bizarre it stuck with me. Has anyone ever heard of such a creature? Hi so, I've had a couple encounters that have left me feeling crazy and super off. I live in central New York, which is where each of these happened. So several months ago, I'd say probably around February or March. I was at a park with one of my friends after dark. We had gone there frequently and nothing had ever seemed weird. My friend was standing off to the side of a shed a few hundred feet away from me. I was sitting in my car. I had been zoned out, looking at stuff on my phone, he had been talking on the phone with someone. It wasn't until I heard this strange barking that didn't sound human or animal-like per se. I couldn't figure out which direction it was coming from. The sound seemed to be coming from every direction. I looked up and saw my friend quickly walking down the hill before coming to a dead stop, mid-step. When I looked around, I saw out of my side mirror, something stand up from all fours from behind my car and sprint off, way too quickly, into the surrounding woods. My friend came running to my car, getting in and locking the doors before saying, did you see that thing? It wasn't human. It looked like it, but it was way too tall and skinny. It had ran up behind your car and then when it was going behind your car it squat down on all fours and then got up and ran off. The second encounter. This happened a few months after, right around the start of spring. I was with three of my friends and one of their dads. We were in the middle of the woods at one of their campgrounds. They had gone off for a walk, probably 20 to 30 minutes ago. I had stayed back to watch the fire. Suddenly, the world had gone almost silent. I almost felt like I wasn't even in our world anymore. It's hard to explain. I heard this woman screaming, 
No. No. Help. Someone help me. I had just sat there, staring at the direction that I thought the noise was coming from, which was deeper in the woods. At first, I thought maybe it was one of my friends yelling, but none of them sound like that. Something had also been off about this voice. After a few minutes it trailed off and got quieter as the world returned back to normal. My friends had returned after another 15 to 20 minutes from a different direction than I heard the voice. So yeah, if anyone knows what these encounters are or has had similar experiences let me know. I'm going to say I did not believe in alien abduction before this happened. I know it wasn't a dream. I was at home. I am lying in my bed writing a song. I was really depressed and didn't know why I was still alive and what was my purpose. I wasn't tired or anything but I guess I must have fallen asleep or something. The next thing I know I'm laying on a bed. It was hard and felt like metal under my body. I was naked. I could only turn my head a little looking around I saw beings, grey but not short. They were tall, I'd say around 6 feet or more. They had eyes the shape of almonds. They had no clothing on. They didn't walk, they moved so smoothly. I started to panic because three of them started towards me. All of a sudden I get this voice in my head to turn my head to the right. As I'm turning my head above me are these tubes that weren't hard but like rubber that wiggled. As I finished turning my head standing beside me was this tall being. The head was grey, it had almond shaped eyes but the body was like a liquid. It told me not to be afraid, but it didn't speak it. It was like it was in my head speaking. All of a sudden I get this sharp burning pain in my left ankle. I tried to move. I tried to do something but I was being held down by some force or maybe paralyzed. Again this main being came right over me and looked down at me. I could feel tears going down my face. In my head, I asked why is this happening. It smiled but I didn't see the smile, I felt it. It told me that I needed to say to them something. I can't remember what I'm supposed to say to them and don't know who I'm supposed to tell it to. After that, my head snapped to where I was looking up at these hanging tubes. One of them started to slowly come down towards me. As it got to my right eye it went from limp and soft to hard and it had a point like a needle. As the needle type tube was about to enter my right eye. The main being put its hand on my forehead. The next thing I know I wake up and I'm looking out into space. I'm in a smaller craft looking at a larger craft. But it was all hazy like I was drugged. The windows on the big cigar shaped craft looked like swirling water. The next thing I know I'm laying back in my bed two hours later. My left ankle felt like it was on fire. I put my hand down there and felt a mark. It was diamond shaped. It looked like it had already started healing as a scar. For the next week, I had a hard time walking on that foot. It felt like something was burning inside my ankle. This occurred in Massillon, Ohio on August 11, 2014 at around 6.15 p.m. Nine years later I still have the diamond-shaped scar but it is very light. I don't know what they did when they stuck that tube needle into my eye. I really want to find a way to remember what I am supposed to tell them, whoever them is. Ever since this, I have become a recluse. I want to know what happened to me that night and why they did these things to me. Will they visit me again? 
What do they want? I have only told my mom and my, now deceased, best friend from childhood about this small, puzzling but very impactful event in my life. I say impactful just in the sense that I now think about this almost every day of my life since it happened. I am 35 now, I was probably around 9 years old when this happened. This happened in New England, I was in my room at night and I was having trouble sleeping, I felt different, I had this weird energy that night that was keeping me up. Suddenly there was what appeared to be a woman, clear as day, with a beautiful reddish or pinkish dress on, red hair, standing in my dark room. I was startled at first because WTF right? She was smiling at me in the kindest most loving way. I was still pretty blown away by this at this point I was just sort of mesmerized and shocked. Laying in my bed still looking at her and she's looking at me, still Jay smiling. She's, kind of, glowing but not in the same light we are used to anyways. She was just very very visible in my dark room, I could see her clear as day. After laying in bed looking at her for a while longer, I got up, put my knees tucked in under my shirt and sat on my bedroom floor like that and looked at each other some more. This went on for a while. She was in my room like this for probably at least 20 minutes probably closer 40 minutes. After a while I stopped being afraid and relaxed a bit and just vibed out with her for a while. I was still pretty shocked as this didn't seem to be stopping anytime soon and also. What? So after sitting on my floor vibing out with my new friend, I turned my back went around the corner in the hall for a moment to see if she would disappear or something but she didn't, she was still there, at least for now. Then I went to the bathroom and went pee. When I came back in my room, she was gone. I just laid back down in my bed, went to sleep after that thought about waking my parents but she was gone at this point. I hoped she would come back the next night. She did not. I told my mom a couple days later what happened. My mom was religious at the time and told me it was an angel after I told her what happened. I hesitate to define it, I don't know what to call what happened that night. I know this story sounds super cliche, like straight out of an episode of Touched by an Angel, remember that show question mark ha. Huh? Anyways hope you believe me but really I just hope someone else has had a similar experience that I can relate to about it. So, who do you think she was? What happened? I'd like to know your opinions on this strange night or if something like this has happened to anyone else as there are not many places to voice this story. I would like to know about any of your similar experiences too. A strange and chilling incident unfolded one Saturday night in Riverside, California, an event that would haunt my dreams for years to come. It all began when Charlie Wetzel, a 24-year-old resident of nearby Bloomington, experienced something so inexplicable that it defied rational explanation. The night was dark, the kind of darkness that envelops everything and makes the world seem a little more eerie. Charlie was driving on a quiet street near Riverside, minding his own business, when the unimaginable occurred. He recounted the story to authorities with a sober and earnest tone, as if the memory still sent shivers down his spine. A monster jumped out at me, he began, his voice quivering with fear. I listened intently, my curiosity peaked. 
Charlie went on to describe the creature he had encountered, a being that defied all logic and reason. It had a round, scarecrowish head, he explained, his words painting a vivid and unsettling picture in my mind. Like something out of Halloween. My heart raced as he continued to recount his terrifying ordeal. It wasn't human, he stressed, his eyes wide with fear. It had a longer arm than anything I'd ever seen. When it saw me in the car, it reached all the way back to the windshield and began clawing at me. I couldn't help but imagine the sheer horror that must have gripped him at that moment. My mind struggled to make sense of the nightmarish creature he described. It didn't have any ears, he added, his voice quivering. The face was all round. The eyes were shining like something fluorescent, and it had a protuberant mouth. It was scaly, like leaves. As he spoke, I could sense his terror, his disbelief that he had encountered something so utterly unnatural. The details of his encounter were etched into my mind, and I found myself hanging on every word. Charlie's fear escalated when the creature reached over the hood of his car and began clawing at the windshield. He knew he had to act fast, or whatever this nightmarish entity was might gain access to the vehicle. I held that pistol and stomped on the gas, he said, his voice trembling. The thing fell back from the car, and it gurgled. The image of that monstrous being, clawing at his windshield and making inhuman sounds, was enough to send shivers down anyone's spine. The sheer audacity of it all left me in disbelief. Sheriff's officers arrived on the scene, and Charlie pointed out thin, sweeping marks on his windshield that he claimed were made by the creature. They ventured to the location of this bizarre encounter but found nothing to either prove or disprove Charlie's harrowing tale. The scene itself was eerie, situated where North Main Street dipped and crossed the almost dry Santa Ana River bed. It was as if this otherworldly event had occurred in a place where reality blurred with the unknown. Charlie recounted how he had initially hesitated to share his story, fearing that no one would believe him. But his wife had persuaded him to contact the authorities, convinced that something unnatural had occurred that fateful night. Sheriff Sergeant E. R. Holmes, in an attempt to offer a rational explanation, suggested that a large vulture might have landed on the hood of Charlie's car. Sometimes cars hit them when they're in the road eating rabbits cars have killed, he explained. He conducted his own search of the area on Sunday, but he, too, came up empty-handed. I didn't even find a feather, he concluded. Charlie's story remained etched in my memory, a chilling reminder that the world was full of mysteries and unexplained phenomena. What had he encountered that night on the dark streets of Riverside? The answers eluded us, leaving only questions and a lingering sense of dread. I was wondering if anyone else has also had any experiences with people that didn't quite seem to be people? Like there was something off about them? I had an experience some time ago that I've never could shake off. So this happened in Charleston, South Carolina around Christmas of 2017. I used to work at a popular coffee shop that was inside of a popular big box retail store. One day around Christmas time I had two guests that struck me as odd immediately. They were pale Caucasian women probably mid-twenties that both looked nearly identical but one was about a head taller. They had the exact same haircut, very straight platinum blonde bowl-like cuts. 
Their faces were quite round and their eyes were a noticeably bright hazel color and appeared quite large, but not in like a disproportionate gray alien kind of way. They both also had a fairly odd stiff gait, as though they had a board strapped to their back. They sort of shuffled their feet around when they walked. They both also had on oversized sweaters and I noticed later the shorter one had theirs on backwards. The weird part was their behavior. When they first walked in the shorter one looked around the store as if they've never been in one. Her overall demeanor was somewhat childlike. Like a good customer service rep, I welcomed them in and told them to ask if they had any questions. The short girl looked to the taller as if for approval. She then slowly nodded her head towards me, mouth slightly agape and then attempted a hand wave. Instead of waving at the wrist like most people, she waves with her forearm, palm flat and straight in a sort of robotic windshield wiper-like motion. She then turns to the taller one who gives her an encouraging nod. They then proceeded to walk around the cafe looking at the cups and merchandise. The short girl would often point all around the store and seemed to be asking the taller one questions. Almost as if this was a guided tour of sorts. Now obviously I'm no linguist but my city is a fairly popular tourist destination, and I've met foreigners from all over the globe. Even if I don't recognize a specific language I can usually estimate roundabout where it may be from, whether it's Germanic, Slavic, Asiatic, Mideastern, etc. In origin. But the language they spoke to each other was very strange and not like one I've ever heard. Imagine if you mix Simlish with baby babble and sped it up. Lots of ga, blue and new sounds. They continued on checking out the merchandise and going on what seemed to be a Q&A session. They would often open up cups and look inside. Grab bags of beans and squeeze and shake them. At one point the shorter one took apart a French press and the taller one seemed to try to explain what it was for. This went on for about another 10 minutes or so when the short one picked out a studded cup to purchase. She shuffles her way to the pos puts the cup on the counter, frequently looking towards her friend as if looking for reassurance, who again does a simple nod and encouragement. She then looks towards me and attempts to smile. Which was just bearing her perfectly straight white top teeth as though she were biting her bottom lip, and slowly nodding, not saying a word. It was here I noticed her sweater was on backwards, the tag sticking out in front of her neck. Now that I had a good look I will say she was quite oddly attractive but there was something that about her appearance that gave me uncanny valley vibes, but I couldn't tell you what exactly was off. I will say I don't recall them ever blinking. I scanned the cup and went on the typical checkout spiel to which there was no reply. When it was time to pay she pulled out a silver credit card that had no markings whatsoever. No logos, no numbers, no name. Just blank plastic with a chip. She then looks back over to the taller one and says something, who then comes over and finishes the transaction for her, showing her as though it was a teaching moment. I hand her the cup and she once again slowly nods her head, mouth ajar and does her windshield wiper wave. They then shuffle their way out the cafe into the rest of the store and I never saw them again. I've told this story to people before and they usually hand wave it and say they were probably just tourists from Europe, or maybe they had a condition of sorts. But like I've said I've encountered many foreigners and none of them acted this much like a fish out of water, nor was their overall demeanor and behavior this uncanny.
I won't rule it out as a possibility of course, but it just doesn't quite sit satisfactory for me. It was just too weird. I don't know what do you guys think? Have any of you experienced anything similar? Hey all. I want to preface this saying I've always been more of a skeptic when it comes to paranormal. I considered myself one that leans more towards a grounded science view and one that wants to believe but would need to experience it myself to actually believe. I'm also aware that sharing this in this sub is going to yield some amount of confirmation bias since most here I would assume are going to lean towards believing but maybe not. A bit of background. My dad's side of the family lives in a home that eventually became the place of death for my nana. She went into hospice when her health deteriorated enough and eventually passed peacefully in her home on the first floor living room north a hospice bed that was set up for her. Nothing weird ever happened after this to my knowledge. Fast forward to a few years back, my dad has inherited the home and has moved back from across the country with a cat and has since adopted a second cat. Over a few years I was able to work towards mending things with him born of a complicated past. Just this summer his health took a rapid turn and he became essentially bedridden and a fall risk so we set up a bed for him downstairs in the same area that our nana was in. Unfortunately he passed just a few days ago and I'm now grieving. He passed away not in the home but in the hospital. It's also important to say he was home literally the day before and in one day we went to the ER and he passed away the following early AM. I've been going over daily to start sorting through important paperwork and taking care of his cats. It was tough going into the house the first time and I always give a hey dad greeting coming and knowing I won't get a reply but it's part of being open and vulnerable in my healing and did it prior to his death. And no this story doesn't lead to hearing a greeting back. The first night there, just the night prior to writing this and the encounter, was uneventful but I bawled my eyes out at the foot of his bed and pretty much every room in the house. Before I left I laid in his bed downstairs and the cats jumped up to join me for snuggles. So this evening at 8pm I went over and conducted some of my goals I had. When the goals were done I did what I did the previous evening and laid down in his bed. His two loving kitties joined me and I was sending texts to my mom. This is when it happens. I'm laying there and suddenly this full body chill hits. I'm in a tank top and athletic shorts but I run hot and I've always been very warm in the house plus I had been moving around a lot just prior to laying down. No reason to have chills. Anyways I get the chills, literally covered in chill bumps head to toe, hair standing at attention every inch of my body. Hell even my nipples were hard. Right at this moment which happened within seconds both of the cats reacted lightning fast and raised their heads and were looking like something startled them. Chills are one thing but the reaction of two furry friends at the same exact time. This is what really sold it for me. All three of us laid there. I wasn't exactly scared and I don't scare easy these days but it had me shocked and rattled, unable to process what the hell is happening so it's difficult to articulate the exact emotion I was experiencing. I started to communicate as if it was my dad telling him how much I love him and miss him. Then I realized maybe this is my nana? Then I pretty much just said whoever this is. The whole time I felt this full body feeling of something being there and the cats were also still more or less focused on whatever thing had their collective attention. 
One cat eventually got up to walk to the water bowl area and the other cat I think just relaxed but I still had chills everywhere. After this I got up feeling a bit uncomfortable with the realization that my world and possibly entire system of non-belief was shattered. I had chill bumps the entire time I brought items to my truck outside getting ready to leave and forgot something inside. I was half expecting to see something when I went back in and was on edge and moving a bit quicker. Said my goodbyes and departed unable to explain or rationalize this. I shared this with my wife as soon as I got home and my 4 month old was staring wide at looking captivated the whole time, it was cute. I also will be sharing this with my mom and sister tomorrow and had simply texted them saying something happened I can't explain and need to share. Any input, thoughts, questions or comments are very welcome. Thanks for reading all of this. I am not skeptical anymore and think it was either my nana or, wishfully, my dad's spirit coming back to his home, and as a reminder nana passed away in the home but dad passed away in the hospital. He spent a lot of time in this very bed though, 